0: Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. On today's program, we present Part 1 of George Lincoln Rockwell's 1960 book, In Hoc Signo Vincis. Now produced, for the first time, in audio form by our own Vanessa Neubauer. Commander Rockwell A military man and creative genius who almost single-handedly recreated American National Socialism, beginning in the 1950s, was the initial inspiration for William Luther Pierce's political and philosophic work. Beginning in 1966, Dr. Pierce edited National Socialist World magazine for Commander Rockwell. In this piece, which we'll continue next week, Rockwell passionately issues a clarion call for not only an awakening of whites to their peril, but for a literal reconquest of this earth by our race. These are the words of George Lincoln Rockwell, read by Vanessa Neubauer. Listen.
1: In hoc signo Vinces by George Lincoln Rockwell long lasting success in any human endeavor is never the result of blind luck. The achievement of a clearly defined goal, whether it be the act of walking from point X to point Y, the building of a house or the organization of a business, is always the product of three things. 1 the intellectual ability to perceive the problem involved, the opposition which must be expected, and the best way to overcome that opposition to reach the goal. 2. The will and determination to do whatever may be necessary to reach the desired goal, regardless of opposition. 3. The physical means, strength, and courage to enforce and carry out the plan or fight, conceived by the mind and determined by the will. If any of these three elements be lacking on one's purpose— Failure is the inevitable, predictable result. A man who is too stupid to understand the various factors involved in trying to walk from point X to point Y, where the path between is a jungle infested with snakes, dangerous carnivores, and fever, and who fails to arm himself with weapons and maps, medicine, and other equipment, will never arrive at Y no matter how dogged his determination or how mighty his muscles another man attempting the same journey, though he clearly perceives the dangers and prepares for them, and though he be mighty of muscle, will yet fail to reach why if he is so irresolute and weak of will that he does not persevere at the struggle and ruthlessly use whatever force might be necessary to crush and destroy the forces opposing him. And a third man who has the intellect to perceive the dangers and to prepare for them, and the will and determination to fight his way through even with the most utmost heroism, but who is frail of body and so physically weak that he cannot carry out the commands of his mind and his will, cannot but succumb to the stronger adversaries he will meet. It is with civilizations as it is with the struggles of individual men. Dozens of great civilizations have perished because of failure in one or more of these three elements necessary in the struggle for survival. Savage societies usually perish not so much from lack of vigorous will or lack of physical strength as from lack of ability to perceive the real situation. Drowning in superstition and stumbling in the darkness of ignorance, they are overwhelmed by the physical forces of violent natural occurrences, catastrophes and diseases which more civilized societies have learned to overcome. On the other hand, civilizations, for all their intellectual achievements and sciences, perish most often because of failure of the will. The diminishing of the savage and ruthless drive for survival and dominance which originally created society. They become humanitarian, selfish, and soft. They become physically weak and dependent on paid armies and police to do their fighting. The fighting spirit of honor and self-sacrifice and heroism of their ancestors gives way to a growing love of ease and luxury and cowardice masquerading as humanitarianism. When a civilization reaches this effete stage in its decay, only a very rare historical occurrence can halt the final collapse of the society as the decadence grows daily more apparent. Only when the dying society still has enough life energy to produce a spiritual giant, a godlike throwback to the ancient heroism of its people, who is able to shock and drive the civilization out of its natural historical night of sleep and death. In spite of the suicidal opposition of the dying peoples who long only for peace and the slumber of death, can a society once again rise for a while? Western Aryan civilization passed the historical point of no return on its journey into limbo during the 19th century, as was duly noted by Spengler, Chamberlain, and others. Were it not for the unbelievable, miraculous arrival of Adolf Hitler at the last possible moment, The only bearable course for an intelligent, perceptive, and sensitive man surrounded by a disgusting and suicide-bent civilization would have been resigned enjoyment of such momentary pleasures as provided escape from the soul-crushing reality of a Judaized, cannibalized, and boobized civilization rushing headlong back to the jungle in the name of humanitarianism. But the appearance in history of Adolf Hitler is evidence that there still remains in white, Western civilization a sufficient spark of self-sacrificing creative vigor to permit perhaps another thousand years or so of survival for the white man. This infinitely precious spark will remain just that, however, and quickly fade into darkness, so long as the tiny elite minority of humanity with the wit to see what Hitler did is too selfish, cowardly, and short-sighted, to apply the lessons of history before it is too late forever and fan the spark Hitler gave us into the roaring flame of creative civilization founded by our courageous ancestors. So far, the fearful punishment meted out to Adolf Hitler's fighting heroes of civilization by Jewish forces of decay and destruction has so unnerved and terrified the world that even those able to see and understand the peril to humanity and the way to salvation as shown by Adolf Hitler are so pitifully attached to their lives and liberties and comforts that they dare not pick up the sacred spark of white survival and fan it with their own life's breath, which it must soon have, or go out forever. Aryan white humanity is on the precipice of darkness and oblivion. Strewn on the crags in the eternal blackness below are the bones of other know-it-all pompous civilizations, which were doubtless unable to imagine their own demise at the very time when they were surrounded by the outward power and magnificence of empire. They were unable to realize or face up to the total threat of a growing weakness and humanitarianism, unable to muster the total will necessary to reverse the historical march to death and oblivion. They were too lazy and selfish, greedy and cowardly, to heed the tiny few who have been burned, crucified, stoned, fed to the lions, or handed the cup of hemlock. If there is any history a thousand years hence, and any people able to study it, they will marvel and disbelief, most of all, at the stubborn refusal of the white man to use his overwhelming strength, his knowledge, and the providential gift of Adolf Hitler's leadership to save himself from the most incredible and cringing slavery at the hands of a relatively tiny gang of disgusting, pathologically unbalanced, physically weak and cowardly, arrogant, tyrannical Jews. Our problems today are not American problems, British problems. French, German, or European, or African problems. They are problems of survival for all white men. What in the name of the most elementary reason is the difference between whether Bartholomew Buckingham is born near the Thames, Hans Schmidt on the Rhine, Pierre Dubois on the Seine, Per Olofsson in Stockholm, Eric Erasmus in Durban, Joe Dokes in Podunk, or john smith in auckland new zealand compared to the question of shall there be any more bartholomew's Hanses, pierre's per's eric's joe's or john's our planet swarms with colored creatures who outnumber us by more than four to one and in all of our nations these inferior beings we are told are our equals able to vote away our money our liberties our lives and our honor By the old-fashioned notions of nationalism and democracy, I, Lincoln Rockwell, am supposed to treasure and care for and be loyal to some of the lowest spawn of the jungle, providing only that their black dam gave them to the world in some American ditch or filthy crib. Because then, of course, they are Americans. And aren't we all out for America? Or am I to be loyal and die for these miserable and pitiable half-animals, my fellow Americans, by slaughtering millions upon millions of the finest biological specimens of my own race, because a gang of Hollywood Jews teaches us that Americans must hate Germans? Or again, is it a certain piece of geography to which I am to be loyal, and for which I must kill my own people and perhaps die myself? Does my loyalty to this hunk of geography stop at the Canadian border?" But perhaps it is Americanism, to which I am to be loyal, and for which I must make war upon German men, women, and children. When I examine what they tell me is Americanism, however, I find that it consists primarily in being willing to submit, meekly, to Jewish direction of my culture, government, religion, entertainment, and even my sex life. No. All this is nonsense. The only thing to which I can be loyal with any deep conviction— The only loyalty which makes any sense is my racial, and therefore cultural, brotherhood with my own people, no matter where they happen to have been born. When that loyalty is challenged and my people are in danger, it is monstrous to pretend that we must be suspicious of each other just because we live across imaginary geographical lines, and that, upon proper preparation and agitation by a gang of international Jews, We white men must march forth to kill each other and bomb each other to ashes and everlastingly hate each other because we are trade rivals, or for American democracy, or the British Empire, or for anything else in the world. I am a white man, and a brother to all other white men, and I mean to stand with all of them and, if necessary, lead them in battle to survive against the unspeakable menace of the colored populations of the earth— rising to slaughter and rapine against the white men, and led by the scheming Jew. But like the first man in the analogy of the walk through the snake-infested jungle, too many of our white leaders fail to perceive the cosmic proportions of the problem, and imagine it is something which can be solved in their country, and by half measures. The tiny few who do see the dreadful and total urgency of the white man's situation have— until our arrival on the scene, attempted to fight with less than the total weapons required in a total fight for survival. Most of the best leaders have imagined that small groups of beleaguered white men, gathered into little geographical huddles behind imaginary lines and waving different colored bits of cloth bravely in the breezes, can survive by themselves, and the hell with the other white men who have different bits of colored cloth. The Jews have never made the mistake of seriously dividing themselves into these phony geographical teams. On the contrary, the Jews, with their Bolshevism, Zionism, and Mongrelism, are attacking all white men. Everywhere. And all the time. They are sending their black armies into all of our nations in an all-out attack against the white elite of the world. With absolutely no considerations of national boundaries or flags or languages or cultures, In the face of this total international threat of annihilation by race, millions of those who already see the danger are to be found babbling darkly of Yankee imperialism, British Empire, dirty Catholics, immoral atheists, Republicans, laborites, damned Yankees, Germany first, etc., etc., ad nauseum. Like little boys besieged by a mob of kidnappers and murderers, they cannot resist squabbling about who has the most marbles in the face of deadly danger they temporarily forget. The battle of our times, if there is to be any battle, is for the survival of the white race.